each choice we make moves us toward fear or love. On my Life and Laughter podcast, we'll talk about those choices and learn how to attract more love and connection and laughter. This is Perry Kinder. Let's get started. Hey, Life and Laughter listeners. I love starting my podcast with alliteration because it's always good to get the tongue-tied part out of my out of the way. But welcome back. Thank you for being here for my next solo episode where I talk about spelling things you probably never even ever cared about, but you're going to learn about them today. I've had a love affair with words since I was small. My mom would set up a pretend library for me with my books so I could check them out. Because back in the day, when you got a book from the library, you took it up to the librarian. The librarian would stamp the card in the back, and then you knew when the book was due. We didn't have fancy schmancy computers and all that. We just had stamps and cards, so that's the way it worked. And my mom would put cards in the back of my books and she would stamp them like a librarian and I'd take them and go sit behind the chair in the living room and read because I've always been a book nerd. Spelling, writing, reading, poetry, language, sentences, and I was fascinated with how arranging ordinary words can create a masterpiece of a sentence or a paragraph. I think Anne Lamott is one of my favorite writers. She's relatable and real and she's super funny how can you not love someone who wrote this sentence? Having a baby is like suddenly getting the world's worst roommate. True and hilarious. Anyway, this episode is about how spelling taught me some valuable lessons about my life. And I was first presented with these these ideas a few years ago. My friend Melissa, shout out to Melissa Worthen. She is an awesome person. She had reached out to me to ask if I could speak to a group. And I love speaking to groups, so of course I said yes. And I said, who's the audience? And she said, well, it's finalists for the spelling bee and their parents. So all these spelling people, like, oh, that's my demographic. Excellent. What's my topic? Spelling. Now, what the, who has an inspirational talk about spelling? Nobody I know. Maybe, maybe Anne Lamott. She might. So I thought about it for a long time and realized that I had learned something from spelling and not just, well, spelling words. So this is the first lesson I learned from spelling. I attended school at Viewmont Elementary in Murray, and starting in the fifth grade, students could try out to be in the school spelling bee, where winners from each class would move into the final. We were given lists and lists of words to memorize, and I studied whenever I had a spare moment. I remember mom doing my hair in the morning which was actually just pulling out those horrible pink foam curlers that just pulled out half your hair and it hurt so bad. Anyway, it was torture, but she would quiz me on my spelling words. My friends and I would quiz each other at recess. Yes, I was that kind of nerd practicing spelling at recess. I know, dismal. Then the the fifth grade championships came up and I won from my class. I spelled my word correctly and I'd moved on. I don't remember the word I'd spelled correctly, but I moved to the school finals, going against the other fifth and sixth graders. I practiced even harder. During breakfast, while I was eating my bowl of sugary milk with a few Cheerios, I'd study my words. During lunch, while the lunch helpers were trying to get me off the table so they could wipe it down and fold it into the wall, I was studying words. And then the school spelling bee came. And I'm sure you know how a spelling bee works. You've seen movies, you've read books. You spell a word wrong and you're out. It's pretty simple. It was like the Hunger Games of literature. I'd made it through several rounds, and soon there were just two of us left. Me and a sixth grader that I forever banned from my memory. I was given the word afloat. 
my mind reeled. Was there one F? Two Fs? Three Fs? My mind was an anxious ball of jelly at this point. Just the stress and the anxiety was wearing on me, and I spelled A-F-F-L-O-A-T. It was wrong, and I'd lost. The next year, when I was in sixth grade, it was my last chance to win the school spelling bee. I went through the same routine of practicing, drilling, reading, practicing, drilling, spelling. I won my class spelling bee, and once again, I went to the school finals. This time, I won. I was the spelling bee champion at Viewmont Elementary, and I could die a happy person. But then, because I had won, I had to move on to the district spelling bee, the next step to the state championship. This was a whole new level of terror. When I think about that time still, it's sheer panic. I was given a new list of words to practice, and after a few weeks, we met at McMillan Elementary for the spelling showdown. As each child was given a word to spell or misspell, I spelled their word along in my head, and I was doing great. Then I got my first word, judgeship. An E, or not an E, that was the question. I started J-U-D-G-S-H-I-P. The judges looked at each other and started whispering. Were they amazed by my spelling skills? Were they captivated by my poise and my talent? Finally, the head judge said to me, We couldn't tell. Did you add an E after the G? I started thinking, what was the right answer? I hadn't said E, but was I supposed to have said an E? I decided to just tell the truth. No, I didn't say E. The head judge shook her head and said, I'm sorry, your word is incorrect. I was stunned and out of the spelling bee. Mom took me to McDonald's for a chocolate shake, and I was very sad, but also very relieved. The pressure had been intense, and that was just at the district level. If I'd gone to the state championships, I might have had a stroke. So where am I going with this, you may ask? Where am I going with this? Good question. I know you're looking at your watches. There is a lesson here. Here's the first lesson I learned from spelling. I don't remember any word from any of those spelling bees that I spelled correctly. I don't remember the word that won me the fifth or the sixth grade championship. I don't remember the word that won me the school championship. All I remember are the words that I misspelled. That's the way things seem to go. We remember the times that we screwed up. The times our best wasn't good enough. The times we fell just short of the goal. We don't think about the wins. We don't acknowledge the baby steps that we've taken toward a goal and the journey that we've been along. The new business you started even when you were afraid. The time you you put yourself out there even when it scared the heebie-jeebies out of you. So the first lesson is to remember the wins. And the second lesson is don't be defined by your mistakes. If I could read novels as a full-time job, I would be so down with that. I've I've been reading novels for as long as I could remember, but in grade school, I hated reading textbooks. I mean, I loathed it when the class took turns reading out loud from a textbook. I would rather go to the dentist, and I hate the dentist with a burning hot passion. Reading out loud as a class was a practice in torture and should be banned from every classroom all over the world. It's excruciating and horrible. Anyway, 
Everybody does it. Every class does it. And you know that when you've done it, when when you're reading out loud and you're a child, you're looking ahead to figure out what paragraph you'll be asked to read. So you see how many paragraphs are in the in the document. You look at the kids in the class, you count which ones they're reading, you track along and you find out which one you're going to read until everybody is just weeping for mercy and it's just miserable. I always felt bad for the kids who couldn't read well because I could feel their anxiety levels arise. And one day I came to a paragraph that I didn't understand. I was in fifth grade, Mrs. Blundell's classroom. She was a terrifying presence She was loud and tall, and we could never tell if she was laughing or cackling. It was really a close call. And we always avoided eye contact with her because she was just so intimidating. We were reading out of a history book, which is the worst. And I was counting the paragraphs to see which paragraph was going to be mine. And I realized I'd need to read a word that I'd never seen before. My stomach lurched. I'd never stumbled over a word before. I didn't have my phone handy to Google the pronunciation because we lived in the Stone Ages before we could carry phones to school. Phones were securely attached to the kitchen wall in our homes, so there's no way I could figure out how to pronounce this word. As it got closer to my turn, my heart began to race. I practiced saying the word over and over in my mind while also praying that Mrs. Blundell would have a student read two paragraphs, which would jump me to the next section, one that I had no trouble reading but that didn't happen. Finally, it was my turn. This is not the actual sentence. I'm not that neurotic. I started to read. The light from the candelabre gleamed out into the night. Mrs. Blundell, who'd been leaning back in her chair, sat up straight. Her eyes lasered onto me like a falcon focused onto a mouse, and she said, Did Miss Stewart mispronounce candelabra? The whole class turned to look at me in my shame, and I felt my face turn bright red with embarrassment. It was years later when I realized it was such a shitty thing for her to do. How could I know what a candelabra was? The only time I'd ever seen one was when we watched Liberace on TV. It's not like our home was lit with candelabras and chandeliers. She could have just corrected my pronunciation, and I probably wouldn't even remember this stupid situation. But because she made a big deal out of it, I was fully in shame, and the lesson stuck with me for a long time. I think about that lesson sometimes when I make mistakes, which happens a lot more than it should. My sarcasm gets me in trouble, or I misread a situation and I say the wrong thing, or I unintentionally offend someone, break something, fail, fall, choose any of the above. The lesson I learned eventually is that everyone makes mistakes, and it doesn't usually kill us. You might be embarrassed and even feel shame, but don't let your mistakes define you and don't let the critics get in your head. And there's a double lesson here. Say kind words. You never know when something hurtful you say will stick with someone for decades. And the third lesson I've learned from spelling. I don't mean to brag. Well, yes, I do, because I've been bragging this whole time about my spelling prowess. But in second grade, I was a spelling expert. It was spring, and I had not missed one spelling test word for the entire school year, because spelling was my thing. My best friend was a co-champion, and we ruled the schoolyard like the spelling nerds that we were. We were riding high when Friday rolled around, and the teacher handed out that grayish, lined, narrow, recycled paper 
that we use for our spelling test. As the teacher recited the words, I wrote down each word with flair, knowing my championship status was intact. Easy breezy. After we recess, we waited at our desk for Mrs. Lambert, who was my favorite teacher. She handed back our graded tests. I skipped to the front of the class with the obnoxious attitude of a seven-year-old. I retrieved my test, saw the 100% written on top of it, and I swaggered back to my seat. If dropping mics had been a thing in the 70s, I would have dropped it, big time. Then the world turned upside down. My friend retrieved her test, with the same amount of swagger, and returned to her seat. She looked at her score, and her face completely collapsed. I mean, like ice cream on a hot sidewalk collapsed. Her face paled, and she put her head down on her desk. I couldn't imagine what was happening. Was she sick? I realized, I think she misspelled a word. She totally messed up her perfect spelling score. How could that happen? I was, I was heartbroken for her. I was devastated for her. She'd missed a spelling word. After school, we walked home together in complete silence. She didn't want to talk about it, and I didn't know what to say. We reached my house first, and she turned to me and said, Well, I guess you'll have to miss a word next week. It's like she had just told me I needed to grow antlers for Sunday school. The words made no sense, absolutely no sense. Why do I have to miss a word? I asked. So we can be even, she said. If you're my friend, you'll miss a word too. I guess we'll see if you're my friend. I had never felt so sick. I went straight to my room to lie down, and my mom was worried, but I couldn't begin to tell her what my friend had asked me to do. I'd worked all year to have that perfect score. Could I deliberately fail? I spent the week in agony. I couldn't tell my mom because then she'd call my friend's mom and all hell would break loose. It was the longest, slowest, fastest week of my life, and I hadn't decided if I was going to throw the test. My friend had made it clear if I didn't miss at least one word, we couldn't be friends anymore. Friday arrived. I considered faking sick, and I really wouldn't have been faking because I was so sick at that point, but it was reckoning time. Did I intentionally screw up and lose my, my, my championship status, or do I lose my best friend? It was spelling test time. Mrs. Lambert smiled at me as she handed out the test papers, completely unaware of my inner ter turmoil. My hand trembled as she called out the spelling words. I could feel my friend's eyes boring holes through my skull. All the words that week had an E-A in the word. The first word was heat. Like how, how do you spell heat wrong? You can't even deliberately spell that word wrong. The next word was threat. Okay, again, how do you misspell threat? The list went on. Feather, weather, heath. I just couldn't make myself make a mistake. It wasn't happening. I spelled all the words correctly. And then the word breath. The last two words. Breath, I sighed. I couldn't misspell breath. I spelled B-R-E-A-T-H. Now is go time. There was just one word left, one more chance to save my friendship, or one more chance to keep my championship spelling status. Mrs. Lambert said the last word is breathe. 
Oh, how could I spell breathe wrong if I just spelled breath correctly? It was my last chance. I put my pencil to my paper and I spelled B-R-E-A-T-H and turned my paper over. I thought I was going to throw up. Mrs. Lambert gathered the test and sent us out to recess, and I avoided my friend. I couldn't even look at her. I hated her right then. I'd relinquished my perfect score to make her feel better, but I felt absolutely terrible. After recess, when I walked to Mrs. Lambert to pick up my test, she gave me a strange look as she handed it over. She knew I'd spelled, I'd spelled the word wrong intentionally. She gave me a grim smile and a small shake of her head, and I slouched back to my desk. Compounded by the fact that I'd failed, I'd also disappointed my favorite teacher in the world. I didn't make eye contact with my friend. I didn't walk home with her after school. I left quickly and ran home, went up to my room, flung myself onto my bed, and started to cry. My mom came into my room, sat on my bed, and said, I just talked to your friend's mom. She said she missed a spelling word. I couldn't, I couldn't even speak. I just nodded and my tear-soaked head was all stuffy with tears and snot and all that gross stuff. And My mom said, She said her daughter missed a word last week and it was very nice of you to miss a word to make her feel better. Is that true? Again, with the wet nod. And then I really broke down. I'd been holding all that anguish all week long. And that's a lot for a seven-year-old to hold in. I slobbered all over my mom and told her how I wanted, I didn't, I didn't want to miss the word. I, I hadn't planned on missing the word, but she said she wouldn't be my friend if I didn't. My mom was correctly appalled. She explained that good friends don't ask you to do something you don't want to do. Good friends don't manipulate you to make themselves feel better. She said she knew I could spell all the words and I knew I could spell all the words. And really that's all that mattered. It was my first experience with giving somebody else my energy, my first time relinquishing my power, although I didn't know what to call it at that time. And I vowed never to do it again. But I did, many times, more than I can count. Everyone does. We all give a little bit of ourselves away, chipping away at our spirit, our energy, our self-esteem, when we don't live up to our potential and, and step into who we truly are, when we deny our integrity, when we betray our integrity. And that's the third lesson, is don't give anyone else your power. Don't sell out. Don't betray your integrity. There is no one and there is nothing worth it. You can't move toward love if you're afraid of making other people angry, upset, hurt, whatever. You have no control over their reactions to you. So just live your best damn life. If you're still awake, thank you for traveling down my memory lane of spelling disasters. Remember the wins. Don't be defined by your mistakes. Talk kindly to people. And don't give anyone else your power. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like and review this podcast and feel free to join my list of monthly supporters. It's cheap and easy, just like me. Or you can purchase my Life and Laughter book through Venmo for only $12 at Perry-Kinder. 
Thank you for listening. Go practice your spelling. Go share some love. Talk to you soon. Do you want more life and laughter? Check out my blog at lnlcoaching.com and find me on Instagram and Facebook at Life and Laughter Coaching. See you again soon. Thank you.